You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. This morning, I want to return to the relatively simple question I asked last week on the show, and that is, should coaches be allowed to yell and scream at their athletes? Now, this is a simple question, but the answers are surprisingly complicated. Can a coach raise his or her voice during a game or practice? And if yes, at what point does he or she cross the line from enthusiastic instruction to what's known as verbal abuse. Our sense last week on the show was when a coach starts to insert or make personal comments or remarks about a player, well, that's when the coach has crossed the line. In other words, as a coach, you'll find that if you were compelled to yell at a player to hustle back on defense or, come on, get more into the flow, well, that's just enthusiastic construction. That's probably okay. But if you add stuff like, Come on, stop being so lazy out there. How could you be so stupid on that play? Well, that's now you've crossed the line. That's just not acceptable. Okay, now just imagine if you're a modern-day high school athletic director where you oversee literally dozens of coaches on your staff. How do you get your points across about communication to them, to how, to, how they should interact with their athletes during the course of practices and games, particularly when it comes to to verbal communication, and let's face it, talking about yelling and screaming. So to get some answers, I've asked Vito uh, Kiravallati, the highly respected athletic director at Christian Brothers Academy in Lincroft, New Jersey, to come on the show this morning to talk about this very tricky issue in this day and age in which all coaches, let's face it, all coaches are always under the microscope. And, and of course, we're going to take your calls because this, this is a complex, a complicated issue and now we're looking at it from the perspective of the high school AD. And we'll take calls at one 337 6666 Vito, good morning, and welcome back to the Sports Edge. Coach Wolf, thanks so much for having me on. I just uh, also just want to start out by saying hello to my beautiful wife well, and our brand-new <laughs> baby girl, Olivia Rose, who's three days old and uh, kept us up last night all night long. <laughs> and, uh, so we're getting to know what it means to be parents. <laughs> Vito, first of all, tremendous uh, congratulations to you and your wife and your family. Uh, obviously, uh, becoming a parent is just a tremendous news. And I was curious uh, as to, well, I wonder if Vito knows that his days and nights are going to be a little different now in terms of getting <laughs> sleep. So I, I thank you for probably being up all night with your with Olivia Rose, and uh, thank you for coming on the show this morning. But again, that's wonderful news. Thanks so much for having me on. Let's talk about this because you know I know that uh, this is a, a topic you're particularly interested in. Something uh, obviously you deal with on a daily basis, um, and you know it's it's you know the reason. Let's put it this way: the baseline for all coaches today. And and I know you wrote about this in your blog, and and I think right. it's uh, I know that uh, Jack Smithlin had called about this last week. The baseline for coaches today, if you look at the best, the most respected coach of all time uh, in, in amateur sports, is John Wooden. And John right. Wooden was known; he was renowned for never yelling at his players at UCLA. So right. he's if he's the top top coach, 
why is it today we're all we see on TV all the time are coaches yelling and screaming and, and so on and so forth? How have we sort of devolved to that point? And what happens at the high school level? Right, and I, it's great. It's a great point because we all respect Coach Wooden, obviously, for mm-hmm. what he did. And I think it's really important to note that that's one style and one method. And that's what I was trying to write about in, in my piece last week after seeing the Izzo incident and talking with friends and colleagues and all of that. Um, and, 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 and everything that happened after that, all the conversations and everybody running to two sides of the issues, uh, old school versus players coach and all of these different things. Yep. And, um, and look, Coach Wooden had a style. He had tremendous presence and was able to get the most out of his players without publicly, at least. We don't know how he necessarily was in practice, but without publicly uh, looking visibly um, critical or yelling or screaming. Um, I'll tell you what, as a coach today, for me, I definitely yell and scream. Uh, I'm I'm not Coach Wooden at all. I think what what it what my big point is is that it's not necessarily the yelling and screaming. It's the message that we're getting across to the kids, right? So you can have different styles of coaching. Um, and I think what happened with Coach Izzo and why you know a lot of people were crying out last week is that I, I'm nervous and worried about the message it sends to youth coaches who see this type of behavior not understanding the trust that has been built in his and the culture he has set with his team and say, oh, I can just yell and scream at my players. Um, and you mentioned it in your opening. Uh, you know, who knows what he was saying? I mean, if he was saying, you know, Aaron, we, de- we demand more from you. You're better than this. All right? You, we know you can give us more hustle back on defense. We know, if it's encouraging and he's getting loud, that's one thing. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of coaches out there who are saying far worse to their players in those moments and embarrassing them, and, uh, and that does not get the best. It's not effective coaching. You know, uh, and along those lines, and, you know, there are, you could make a case, you mentioned Aaron, Aaron Henry, the freshman at Michigan State, that Tom Izzo was, was uh, really sort of abrading uh, on television. Um, and, of course, at Michigan State's last game, Aaron Henry was the star of the game for, for State. Right. So you make a case that, well, that must have worked because obviously Izzo got through this kid. Right. But what about this kind of situation? And I hear this a lot. Uh, you know, a coach uh, will come and say, well, tittle the kids on the team. Or he'll, uh, he or she will say to the parents or he'll say to the athletic director, you know, I'm just an emotional guy. And sometimes I get so excited in the games, um, and I just will sometimes say things and express myself in ways that I really don't mean any harm, and the kids know I don't mean any harm. Is that kind of a, is that acceptable to you, Vito? Is that, does that work for you? No, it's not. And here's, here's my caveat to all this. We're all human. I've ne- I have not handled every situation perfectly. I have not. But we have a body of work, right? Mm-hmm. We have a body of work that will represent who we are. And there's a disposition that each coach has. Using an excuse of, I'm passionately in the game, to berate a player, is not, it's not an excuse, okay? And, and, and here's why. Number one, for me, the coach should be the calm in the storm, mm-hmm. right? So when, when things are going poorly, who do the players look toward? If they can't look toward a steady-handed coach, if he's losing his mind at a moment in crisis – well, then what kind of message does that send to the kids? Now, I am a very passionate coach. If you come to a swim meet and you see me on the sidelines, I'm jumping up and down. I'm going nuts. But I'm always aware of how my body language is, um, 
is being interpreted by my athletes. And I think it's really important, especially in a game of basketball, which is extremely intense, that coaches are mindful of this. It doesn't mean you can't be passionate. It just means for me, and that was the most perplexing part for me, was he was, he was being held back by his own players. And that was the one part, I'm not judging it, but I just couldn't get over being a coach and having to be held back in a moment by your own players. I get that it's passion, but when the 19 and 20-year-olds have to act rational in that moment, and they're the ones with the ball, that's, that's troubling to me. Uh, you know, and not for Coach Izzo in Michigan State, because he's built that culture. It's troubling for me the message that it might send to youth coaches who are unable to build that type of relationship with players. They just are. If you just coach a 12-year travel team, I'm sorry, you're not able to build that type of relationship where you can be effective and still be that demanding. Um, regardless of what you're saying in public. So, um, so th- those, that was my opinion on that issue, and, uh, and I do see it often. And I, I just don't – I think our emotions do need to be at some point controlled. We, we wouldn't want our players losing their minds if, they, if there was a bad call in the game, right? We, we, we would want them to act, you know, not without passion, but act maturely. Uh, my guest this morning is Vito Kirivalati, who is the uh, AD at the uh, Christian Brothers Academy down in Jersey, uh, and Vito was a top, top swimmer in high school and a terrific baseball player before going on to star at the University of Richmond and then played, he played professionally in the Blue Jays system for a number of years. Uh, I am sure uh, in your own athletic career, Vito, you played for some coaches who maybe you, you didn't care for and because perhaps of the way they expressed themselves. Um, you know, I, I know I did. Uh, I'm curious right. how's to, how do you take lessons from those coaches uh, and to how now you use those to help guide the coaches who report to you at CBA. Right, and I, I've learned a lot. And uh, I never set out to be a coach. I didn't know what I would do after my playing career was done. And I found myself in coaching, in high school coaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, very quickly I, I thought to myself, what kind of coach am I going to be? And unfortunately, I immediately went to, oh, I don't want to be like those guys that I have. <laughs> and like, that's very, that's so sad, right? Isn't that sad? Yes. Shouldn't we want to inspire people and, and, and live up to some, you know, you know like, like they say, like players say about Coach Wooden, oh, what would he want me to do today? 30 years after he coached them, right? Where I'm sitting there going, oh, I'd never want to treat somebody like I was treated in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to coach opposite of that guy. That's crazy to me. And I did have coaches like that, and it's un- unfortunate. And over the last 11 years as a coach, and now over the last five, six years as, a, as athletic director, I've really tried to hone in on what I expect from our coaches and how I want to be viewed as a coach to my athletes. And I, I, I've come with some very simple terms. The first thing is I believe that we must be demanding. We have to demand more. We have to hold our players accountable. In the classroom, teachers have to hold their students accountable. But we should never be demeaning. So I tell my coaches, demanding, not demeaning. That is very important to me. We should demand more. This is not, you know, everybody's talking about coddling this generation. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. We should be demanding because if, you're, if you have a, an environment that's void of discipline or accountability, you're creating just as, as poor an environment. They're, you're setting these, these athletes and these students up for failure um, down the road, just as bad as if you were you know, uh, bullying them, quite honestly. So I do think that it's really important to be demanding, not demeaning. Um, and then the, other, the, the two things that I really, the expectations I have for my coaches here at CBA, and I've really tried to you know, hone in on this, is number one, you should care about the player 
more than just beyond the game you coach them, right? If, if you coach basketball, you shouldn't just care about them as a basketball player. And I believe when you start caring about them as a person and try to help them be their best selves, it takes more time. It's much more difficult, but it builds a much stronger relationship. That kid is like, oh, I'm not just a pawn in his game to get him another win. You know, coach really cares about me. And so when it's time to demand more from that kid, you're going to get a really great response. Um, and the second thing is you develop every single player regardless of their ability level. Those two things, care about them beyond the game you coach them, and, and coach them, each player, regardless of their ability level, develop them. And if you do those two things, you can coach here for a long time at CBA. And thankfully, our coaches do that. They really uh, take pride in doing that. Uh, very well said. Uh, excellent advice. Uh, let, me, let me take a time out here. And uh, before I go to John Minko's update, I just want to remind folks, uh, you ought to check out uh, Vito's blog. You can go to CoachVito.net. What, what is the actual name of the blog, uh, Vito? Well, the uh, CoachVito.net is the, um, is, the website? is the website where okay. you can find a lot of the posts that I'm, I start to write up. You know, and every, today's day and age, we all have opinions, right? So it's just my opportunity to get it out there and just hopefully, you know, spread some positivity and and uh, and and give some of my views and some of the issues that are happening in youth sports. Okay, and of course, people can follow you on uh, on Instagram at CoachVito44. That's right. Okay, let me take a time out. Obviously, people want to call uh, with their thoughts and comments as well. Again, simple question about yelling and screaming at kids and athletes today, but pretty complicated. So let me take a time out. Whatever return, we'll take your calls at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Radio dot com. Radio dot com. Back here on the Sports Edge, uh, I'm talking this morning with Vito Kirvalati, the AD at Christian Brothers Academy, and before I just Get to our calls here. A little personal story. When I was playing college baseball, I played for an old school baseball coach, and and trust me, he was crusty, uh, totally unpredictable, impossible to read. He barked and screamed at his players. He was sarcastic. You just couldn't communicate with this fellow at all. And yet, he was a, a terrific recruiter, uh, but on the field. I mean, it was just a, an awful situation. I could never figure him out, uh, nor could my teammates. But since we won, and we won a lot, his job was never in jeopardy. He was just a guy who just was not into uh, really trying to build that bridge of communication with his players. And I always felt that our teams in college won basically in spite of him. And it was not a pleasant time. I mean, that's why when I became a head coach, head baseball coach at Mercy College, I made a conscious effort to do pretty much the opposite of what my own college coach had done. And, and you know, not only do we win at Mercy, and we won a lot, but we had a lot, a great deal of fun. And I, I just, you know, to me, if we're getting back to what you said before the break, Vito, about the kids and having enjoyment and fun and feeling close to the coach, the, these are things, how, how I reacted. I took what I thought, okay, this is how I was coached in college, but now I'm going to take all those lessons and try to incorporate in the way I'm going to coach my kids but I'm a college coach. Rick, you're, you're so right. And that college situation, that coach, we've had that coach. If, yeah. you've, if you've played, you've had that coach, right? And, yeah. and this is what's troubling to me, is that the coach-player relationship can be one of the most transformational relationships that you can have, right? In, in, the, in the life of a young person, it can truly transform their life. It can inspire them to be better. And yet, so often, too often, 
it's the most destructive relationship in the life of a young person, right? So we miss an opportunity, and I call it the I'll-show-you attitude, right? Yep. Where you, you, you develop players who say to themselves, I'm going to prove him wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll, show, mm-hmm. I'll show, coach. So like 30 years later, the best thing that if my swimmer said, oh, you know what coach taught me? He, he knocked me down so much that I, I showed him. That's the best thing. That's my legacy as a coach that I just, I just made you so upset so that you could show, show me and prove me wrong. That's the problem with that, that idea that there's some, you know, unfortunately there's like some badge of honor to get through a program. Um, and it's, and you brought up a story that is very dear to my heart. I played for coaches like that. I remember being embarrassed on the field and I was a very, I was a good player. I had some confidence and some talent to get through some of this stuff. What if you're not? What if you don't oh, have that kind you of confidence? You quit. You quit. You quit. You, quit. you just don't you survive. You just, and you, the rest of your life, you sort of say to yourself, you know, I thought I was a pretty good, pretty good athlete, but uh, I got to a point where a coach said, no, you're not that good. And maybe it was meant to be as a challenge, but, you know, kids don't always – you know, rise to the challenge. They just say, uh, forget it, I'll go do something else. And it's, it's a well, terrible, and, terrible legacy. So, right. Let me, and, let me get, kid, so let me get to some of these calls here because people do want to talk about this issue. Um, let's start our conversation uh, this morning with Mark from uh, West Orange, New Jersey. Mark, uh, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Gentlemen, I've been the head coach of Taekwondo at New York University for the last 35 years, and I'm also a middle school English teacher. Uh-huh. And, The first day of class, I asked my boys, uh, have you ever played organized sports? At least some hands go up, and I asked them, how do you feel differently about your coach as compared to your teacher? Because so many kids think of a teacher as a gatekeeper between them and what they want, which is a good grade. A good coach makes an athlete feel, hey, we're all on the same side. And that's what I want my students to feel and highest praise I've seen for coaches. People will say, Oh, they're a great teacher. And Vito, you are such a smart, wise man, emphasizing relationship building, because that's what teaching is about. If you, if those kids know you care about them, they know you want them to be successful. It makes all the difference. I I had a student, a special ed student, in fact, years ago, and I worked very hard on building a relationship with him. He had been a completely unsuccessful student in the classroom his whole life. And one day I lost my temper with him, and I slapped my hand down on the desk because he was fooling around and said, enough, really loudly. I didn't demean him, but I lost my temper. And that night I was so upset at myself, thinking, oh, maybe I've lost this kid. And the next day, I came in to apologize, and he said, Oh, Mr. Leslie, you don't owe me an apology. You're passionate about me, and like a great coach, you knew I needed to be yelled at for a minute. Hmm. Hmm. So sometimes, that's what the kid needs. Absolutely. Mark, that's an excellent story, and and, and to your point, and thank you for the call this morning. Vito, yeah, you're talking about building relationships, and, and the good coaches today... Uh, fundamentally know that that you're trying by by developing that 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 rapport with your your student athlete that that's going to build that that uh, that transition that bridge to the kid wanting to play and play hard and play well and to get right. better at the game. That's what coaching is all about. And Mark was spot on right there because 
here's the thing. Once you develop that relationship and the kid knows you care, guess what, all you old school coaches out there? You can demand more from them. <laughs> you can actually demand more from them, and it's going to be more effective. Like, in the end, that style is actually going to get you the result that you want, yep. which is help the kid reach his potential. Well, I'm hoping that's the result, right? A lot of times the result is, you know, my own, you know, my own wins, right? My own career, my own legacy. It's not about the kids. But when you, you know, and we talk about accountability, and that's my whole thing. It's like there's more than one way to hold kids accountable. And I get really nervous when I hear, oh, you can't, you can't coach kids anymore. You can't hold them accountable because you can't yell at them. Is that really the only way you can hold them accountable? And that's, I think, uh, Mark hit it on the head right there. Build the relationships, and then you can actually demand more from these kids. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Ralph at uh, right here in Manhattan. Hey, Ralph. Good morning. You're on the Rick, Vito, Rick. Good good morning. Good morning. I, you know, I when I hear um, coaches act uh, maniacal on a on a ball field or on a on a basketball court, and when I want, you know, when you hear about it, you can't appreciate. Um, the, the extent they go to in berating their their kids at times um, you have to actually look at the look at it and really study what you know the expression on the face the uh, the content of what what the what the uh, the coaches is speaking and then you'll see you know with Izzo and these other coaches who get out of hand you'll see exactly where they're coming from it's it's self serving it's not about the game um, it's not about the co- um, the player it's about the coach it's about you mentioned uh, Vito legacy. It's about legacy. It's about them worrying about their status, and that's where they go awry, I think. And that's when that's when I I would say that's uh, you know I, I think it's out of line to to act that way. And and when you mention Coach Wooden, it's it's interesting. He has the reputation of being such a calm a calm person and uh, going about things the right way. It was said that he had others. I don't want to say do his dirty work, but you get my my idea. Other people would play the bad cop while Coach Wooden would remain pure. So maybe that system wasn't as pure as we thought it was. Someone was doing that dirty work. I think it exists on every level, on every team, just about. There are very few that it doesn't. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ralph. And, I, and you know, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, nothing in this world can be accomplished without passion, right? Nothing great can be accomplished without passion. And, you know, you have to have passion. You have to be able to hold whoever is under you, who you're, whatever you're trying to get done, you have to be able to hold them accountable. And if Coach Wooden's style was, you know, one that was very calm on the surface, but then he had other ways of getting and motivating his athletes, that's great. And But there's a difference between motivation and inspiration. And I say this in the blog, and, you know, you can motivate with fear, and, um, and you're going to get some kids to do some things, there's no doubt. But the problem is, is that motivation can be very negative at times. You can motivate negatively, where inspiration can only be positive, and yeah. we need to inspire more. We need to motivate less and inspire more. You need motivation at times, but we really need inspirational coaches. I, I agree with that. And, Ralph, thanks, as always, for the call. I also thanks. add to that, Vito, that uh, motiv- fear as a motivator tends to have only very short-term a kind of uh, impact, whereas Agreed. inspiration is much more durable and much more long-lasting. Um, and so if you want to coach kids by trying to intimidate them or by fear, yeah, you might get a, a response on a very, very short-term basis, but in the long run, they'll, they'll begin to sort of uh, fade away in terms of trying to do things of a more positive nature. Let's continue on. Let's go to, um, let's go to Louie over in Long Beach. Hey, Louie, you're on the fan. Hey, Rick. Hi, Vito. How are you today? Hello. Good, Louie. Uh, 
I've been coaching for over 25 years, uh, soccer and lacrosse on the high school and college levels. And I found out that you have to be careful with your words. You got to watch your words and your words are very powerful. Yep. What you use with the kids and your behavior is very much observed by your players. So when you make corrections, they have to be specific. They can't be personal. You can't right. say to a kid, uh, Hey, you're stupid. Do it this way. You got to motivate him. You got to be positive when you're making those corrections. And I also found out that if he keeps making the same mistake over and over, if you take him on the side and just speak to him personally, without the team around, that you can get a little bit further because he can hear you better. People think that just by yelling that you can hear uh, or listen better. That's not true. The yelling is a fear factor. It scares the player. When you speak to him nice and in a soft-spoken way, he can hear you better. No, I think that's an excellent observation, Lou. Thank you for mentioning In fact, I'll even uh, go one step further. Uh, you remember John Wooden, uh, the story goes that, uh, again, he never raised his voice on the court. That, in fact, too much to the point where when he had his ball players, his basketball players surround him and he was giving instruction, he would almost deliberately speak in a soft voice so the players had to sort of crowd in together and to lean in to, to see exactly, hear exactly what he was saying because he was not going to be loud about it. And that's, to me, the ultimate uh, goal. If the players themselves are saying to each other, shh, i got to hear what the coach is saying. So that's, that's right. what you want. And, and to lose point, and Vito, you know this, of course, if, if you get got a kid who's just not getting the point, if you take him or her off to the side and say, look, let's talk this over, this is what we want you to do, this is what you're not doing, Let's understand what the, the point is here. That is so much more effective, uh, particularly with today's athletes. They don't want to be yelled at. They don't want to be screamed at. They want to have a sense of, okay, coach, talk to me. What am I doing wrong here? Hey, listen, this is, uh, this is another topic. Lou hit it on, on, right on the head here. Um, you know, criticize in private, praise in public. And I can almost hear people cringing, right? Those people who are like, oh, my gosh, we're coddling this generation. Right? Oh, here we go again. Snowflakes. Yep. All this stuff, right? You can almost hear it when Lou's speaking. Oh, no, you have to be nice to them, right? But here, that's the problem is that we run to extremes and we fail to miss the real point, which is what's the most effective coaching style? And, you know, if a kid's making a mistake over and over again, right? That's, that's what Lou said. Mm-hmm. Well, how's he making that mistake? Maybe he's just not good enough. And, and no yelling or screaming at him, especially in that moment, is going to make him any better, yep. right? So if he's giving his full effort, my big three things that coaches should always demand, and they're non-negotiable, is effort, mindset, and attitude. Those three things, right? So you've got to be at full effort, non-negotiable. Your head's got to be in the game, non-negotiable. And you have, a, have to have a positive, tough attitude, non-negotiable. If the kid's making mistakes and all of those three checkboxes are checked off, what are you going to do to, to help in that moment? What, what is screaming going to do to help in that moment? The kid's either out of position, which is probably your fault as the coach, or underprepared, or just not good enough, but he's giving his best effort. And that's what we have to determine. So if we're, if we're all over them and holding them accountable on effort, mindset, and attitude, I think the, the players are really going to appreciate that, actually, and I think they're going to respond better. Uh, my guest this morning is uh, Coach Vito, uh, Vito Kirivellati, who is the AD at uh, Christian Brothers Academy over in uh, Lincroft, New Jersey. Uh, I urge you to check out his website at uh, coachvito.net, uh, and you can follow him on Instagram at coachvito44. Uh, let me take a, a time out. Uh, when we return, we'll go back to the calls. I also want to uh, relate a story I just read about the other day about coaches modern-day coaches who, unfortunately, are going in the opposite direction. Stay with me. Back with more after this. Radio. 
Sportsedge.com. Back here on the Sports Edge, uh, a quick note about Cal Ramsey, who passed away this past week. Uh, for those of you who had the opportunity to know Cal personally, as I did and my family, you know that he was one of the kindest and, and gentlest individuals of our time. He, um, my dad, who worked on the air with Cal for years doing the Knicks games, always thought Cal was one of the finest people he had ever met. And Cal, you will be missed. A quick reminder, uh, this coming Wednesday at Mawa High School at 7 o'clock, I'll be talking sports parenting issues live and in person. And I very much look forward to seeing you there. Uh, sports parenting only becomes more and more complicated, as we all know. Uh, with each passing year, the issues get more and more complex. Anyhow, this, this Wednesday, April 3rd at 7 o'clock at Mawa High School, I hope you can make it. Right now, we're talking with Coach Vito of Christian Brothers Academy about the parameters of yelling and screaming at kids in high school. We're taking calls at one 337 6666 Now, before the break, Vito, uh, I mentioned that there are still coaches out there who don't seem to understand these parameters. For example, uh, this was brought to my attention uh, by my colleague Ken Samuelson this past week. Uh, this comes from a report out of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Um, and again, this is a one-sided account. We're only getting the, the player's account, not the coach. But there's a, the women's basketball coach at Northern Kentucky University, a woman named Cameron Whitaker. Uh, she's in her third year. She has an overall record of 29-64. and 64. But last week, uh, one of her veteran players made these complaints about Coach Whitaker to the school athletic director. It's among the, the litany of complaints that Coach Whitaker has what she calls a quote-unquote crying couch in her office to privately berate her players. She has taken, she's threatened to take away players' scholarships if they're not performing during practice. Um, she has basically uh, isolated uh, players uh, from the team to the point where she's had to, a kid who have to eat and sleep alone on, the, on a road trip. Um, she has punished players. Um, if, they're, if they threaten to talk to their parents during the course of the season. Like, on and on it goes like this. And you're thinking, this maybe happened in the 1950s. This is happening now. Now, again, I have, there's been no response from Northern Kentucky or from the coach about these complaints, but I do know that three other players on the team came forth and verified that uh, these things were going on. Again, this is hard to believe in this day and age. Again, that's at the college level. But still, it's just if we're trying to build rapport, and a sense of relationship with your players, either in the high school or youth level or travel team or club team or at the college level, this seems to be going in the wrong direction. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's hard to believe, unfortunately. And, and once again, a reason why I was motivated to write about the Izzo incident is because of how much it's misunderstood and how quickly people are to judge and then run to one of two sides which is the players coach side of um you know the participation era you know trophy era right where we have to be soft and nice and kind and then, and then the old school coach who says oh no I need to be demanding and and demand more and you know yell at my players and scream and people fail to see the part in the middle of building relationships and how key that is to the mm-hmm. whole thing I don't want to comment on what happened with that coach because I have no idea from the coach's point of view, and I'm just hearing this. But what I will say is it doesn't surprise me that there are coaches still out there because I do think that there are people who take pride in that style of coaching. And that's the problem. They take pride in it. They think that that's the best way to do it. It could be from their own insecurities. 
uh, as a person or as a player, former player. Maybe they didn't make it, and now they're like, "Well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna show my kids now, um, you know, all the things that I didn't, I didn't get to experience, and and I'm gonna be harder on them, et cetera. Who knows where it's coming from? But all I know is that it's not. Number one, it's definitely not the only way to coach. And without proper trust, it is ineffective. It just doesn't work. Let me ask you a, a, a delicate question, uh, because as the athletic director at Christian Brothers, you oversee dozens of coaches. If you suspected or started to get reports of a coach on your staff who was like this, uh, and a little too old school, a little too hard edge, how would you handle that? Right, and it's difficult. And so we put a few things in place here at TBA in my five years to make sure that um, we were out in front of any of these issues. Um, uh, you know, I do the coaching evaluations at the end of each season, uh, which is my own evaluation of the coach and what I see. And also, um, I get the students' input as well. I think it's really important to hear from the student-athletes. And you're never going to just look at one comment because there's no way out of all the athletes you have that everybody's going to have this kumbaya, magical positive experience. Um, and I could never expect everybody to coach like John Wooden or coach like me or coach like whoever. Everybody's got their own style and their way to do it. Right. And kids need to be reached differently. But they do give you valuable information when you get consistent reports back, consistent remarks. It goes back to what I said earlier. We're all human and going to make mistakes. But if this is your body of work, and over the course of years, players are saying the same thing about you, well, then we need to look hard at this and, and see how it's not effective, regardless of how many wins you have. That doesn't matter. Uh, but if players are trying to win in spite of you, I think that's a real problem. That's not the culture we want to set, especially when they're 15 or 16 years old. Um, they can learn accountability in a lot of different ways. And so uh, what I've tried to do here uh, is just make sure I educate the coaches as much as possible. We bring in people to come speak to them. Um, I talk to them about my expectations. And by and large, we have some of the most caring, amazing coaches at CBA. I think that's why we're so blessed here to have not only great athletes, but also uh, uh, we're able to, uh, you know, to, to win a lot, too, because I do think we have talented players that know they're cared for. I got it. That's, uh, let's continue. Let's go to Coach Tom over in North Arlington. Tom, good morning. Morning, Rick. Morning, Vito. Uh, yeah, very, very inspirational uh, topic. <laughs> um, I I always believe, like you said, fear works until something fears these kids even more. Okay, whereas inspiration lasts forever. Mm-hmm. I, I believe mm-hmm. uh, the thing you have to look at, and what you said, there are guys who look like they're coaching from fear, but uh, really inspire when you dig deep into it. So you have to be careful. Right. And I think people see sometimes see this and try to emulate it like, like a Vince Lombardi, you know, or, or something like that when, when players, you know, no, he really loves us and, you know, this, this type of thing. I always believed, you know, my thing was, all right, you don't embarrass me or the team through lack of hustle or whatnot, and I won't embarrass you. Mm-hmm. And, and my coaching goal always was to teach, and I felt I was successful if I produced other coaches. Because I felt whether a kid went to college or whether he was good or a team won, that all depended on talent. Okay, but if if I had guys that you know kept the relationship up and wanted to coach themselves, I always felt that you know what that's that that was my goal. That's a pretty interesting perspective on this, Tom. That uh, if you if you say that by the way you would you sort of value your own success as a coach is if the kids you did work with some of them went on to become coaches themselves. That's pretty interesting. right. You know? Right. I actually, I said, I said it uh, to my own team. I was like, one of my dreams was always as a coach to have some of my former swimmers come back and be my assistant coach. <laughs> and this, 
And, and this year I had two of them and it was just such a magical year for us. I had two of my former swimmers come back and help coach. And these are guys that know my style that, uh, and we love each other. I mean, and we had such an incredible season this year and, uh, and I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. You know what fear does? All fear does is show the kid what not to do, right? It doesn't really, yeah. it's not, it's not constructive. Um, and so, um, you know, I think it's really important that we move away from motivating through fear and, and move more toward let's inspire these kids to, to be more, to dream bigger. It doesn't mean you can't hold them accountable. It doesn't mean they get everything they want. That's the other key. People think, oh, well, then you have to be nice and everybody gets what they want. No, they don't. They still have standards that need to be met. It's just the way you deal with them in those, in those times. Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree. with. And, and different people require a different thing. I was uh, Absolutely. Say, my one coach used to tell my one player, yelling works better with your best players. The kid would say to me, coach, you say anything you want to me, just don't take me out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> take care. Thanks, Tom. Take care, Tom. Thanks. And, and to that point, we didn't talk about this much either, is in terms of the, the coach's greatest or only tool is playing time. And, and uh, yeah. you know, if you feel a guy, a kid is not performing or not giving 100%, whatever, that's where you just sort of, hey, come over here, come out of the game, let's stay on the sideline, let's talk about what, why you're out of the game. Uh, right. And I think that's an, an extraordinarily powerful motivator uh, to get a kid to understand, look, you're just not understanding what we're trying to do here, and you're, right. unless you do this right, you're not going to get back in the game. Right, and that's a way to hold somebody accountable, right? You yes. sit him on the bench, you know. Oh, okay, you know, you're not giving the effort that we need right now. It doesn't mean you can't yell and say, "Hey, we did, we demand more from you right now." You know, this is the NCAA tournament, and we demand more from you. We need your best effort here. Take a seat in the bench, and when you're ready to get back in there, let me know. That that's good hard coaching to me. Now, that, and that's what could have been said, by the way. I have no idea what was was exactly said. Well, but I do know that his passion and it got a little overboard for me, where his own players had to hold him back, and that's where I really took exception to it. I could be wrong about this, but I was in the impression that uh, you know, in one of the earlier games when Iona was playing, and Tim Kloos, uh was during a timeout, uh, the head coach of Iona took out his star uh, scorer. Uh, Ricky McGill, because McGill was having some sort of issue. And he said, right, why don't you just sit out for a bit? So he took his best player out of the game because, yeah. obviously, he wanted to get the point across to, his, to McGill that, you know, getting playing time in the NCAAs is important to, to you and to us, but I'm not putting you in the game until you understand, until you conform to what our expectations are for you as a human being. Right, right. And, and, and you know, we're not all coaching Michigan State or Iona in an NCAA tournament game. And that's the other thing is that we have no idea the relationships that's built at that level. You know, these guys have to win. I mean, this is Tom Izzo's livelihood here, you know, yes. too. So he's got to win. Um, that said, uh, you know, when you're a 12U travel coach and you think you're coaching Michigan State, it doesn't mean that those games aren't as important to those kids. It just means that the way you coach them and the way you demand of them is extremely sensitive and important because these are lessons they're going to learn for the rest of their lives. Um, so we have to be mindful of those things. And, uh, you know, like we talked about your coach and my coaches that I had that have stayed with me. And although it was more accepted years ago, it didn't make it right. Correct. It wasn't right back then. And, and so what's happened over the last 20 years and why this has become such an issue is guess what? The players actually demand more from us now. The players, they see what effective coaches and coaching is like, and they're not going to demand anything less. And so when you lose players because you've quote-unquote yelled at them or embarrassed them, hey, you know what, good for those players. Because they're saying, you know what, you're not coaching me very well right now, and they're demanding more. They're not just accepting it anymore. And we need to step up to the plate as coaches. Uh, you know, Vito, I'm glad you... 
I'm glad you ended our conversation this morning on that note that kids today, from the kids' perspective, they're demanding more of the coaches today because they want you to be those inspirational types of instructors so they can go take their game to their higher level, to the to most of their potential. That's all we want our kids to do is to raise their game to their God-given ability. Anyhow, Vito, this is a topic we can discuss for hours on end, and I, and I, I also know you probably want to get some much-needed sleep uh, <laughs> now that you're a dad with Olivia Rose in the household. But I, I thank you so much. Uh, this is all really good stuff. And, and friends, again, you can check out Vito's uh, website at coachvito.net or follow him on Instagram at coachvito44. Vito Kirillati, thank you so much. Obviously, we'll talk to you again uh, in the months to come. Rick, thanks so much for having me on. Let's keep inspiring kids to be their best. That's all That's all we should do as coaches. Thanks Great. so much for having me on. Thanks, Vito. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, let me take a quick time out. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Absolutely uh, fascinating conversation this morning with Vito, and, and uh, so much to take away, and I, I appreciate so much the, the various... Uh, callers and their opinions and comments as well. If, if there's one takeaway as a coach, whether you're coaching at the youth level or at the high school or college level, um, let's let's keep this in mind all the time. If you want to criticize a player, you got to do that in private. You don't do that in public. You praise in public, but if there's something that that kid is just not getting done or is not hustling or whatever, don't use the the, the public forum to make your point. You'll you'll build a much better rapport and will inspire that player if you talk to him in private about your concerns. Uh, and again, there really is no good reason to, to raise your voice with any of your kids at any time. And again, you think back to John Wooden. I mean, he was, he's considered the best coach of all time when it came to inspiring and motivating his players. Didn't raise his voice. I mean, it's as simple as that. And there really is no reason today as to how that would have changed. So I would urge you, before you start going out there and saying, okay, now I'm just going to basically uh, bully and, and, uh, and basically verbally berate my players, that's not going to work. It's just not going to be productive in the long run. If anything, you're going to push the kids away from you. Okay, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Connor Green. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He is up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here no on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.